this week on the Lord's Grantham Podcast, we are talking Downton Abbey again. This week we're talking Season 5, Episode 8, so if you haven't watched it in a while, watch it again because we're about to break it down once again for y'all. Let's go. Goodbye, Mama Shrimp. Papa, shake my hand. Here come the shrimp boat for to take me And we are back again. A little greatest hits tour. How's it going, Corey? It's uh, it's been okay. How about you, Dave? It's getting cold, but I'm here. It's sweater weather, man. It's the time of the year. But you know, things may be cooling down for us in the real world. Things are heating up though in terms of stuff to watch because not one but two trailers drop for shows that we cover. So we can start with the small small fries of the world. The Crown, season six, they, they dropped their date announcement uh, teaser that mm-hmm. really consisted uh, of nothing more than just uh, Queen Elizabeth speaking for a minute, <laughs> uh, Imelda Staunton, you know, just doing her, her best as the queen, which is great. And yeah, so the show is going to come to us in two parts. There's going to be four episodes on November 16th uh, of this year. And then after a month of hiatus, there will be the final six episodes on December 14th. Okay. So that kind of is okay for us, right? We'll be done with Gilded Age. Uh, we'll still be behind. But no. I mean, so the Gilded Age is eight episodes. It returns October 29th. That means okay, by the so, time. Okay, so yeah, we're, we're SOL. <laughs> yeah, we're still behind. We could do both if people really want to put us through the paces there. I, I don't want to put us through the paces. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot in the holiday season, especially. Like we're going to be Gilded Age right up to Christmas, so that's no... That's yeah. fine, but... We'll get to the crown. Not ideal. In our own Yeah, time. we'll get to the crown. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the, the teaser itself was just kind of like, yeah, it's coming. Uh, whereas the Gilded Age, which dropped today for us uh, when we're recording... It's a full two-minute trailer for, for the season mm-hmm. two. And usually we try to break it off into a side episode. We don't think we have to. There's not much to expand on. Uh, Dave, do, what are your initial thoughts on the Gilded Age season two trailer? It seems like it is what it's going to be, you know? <laughs> okay. Uh, like, I, I feel like I wasn't throwing any curveballs that I didn't expect, which is fine. Again, it is what it's going to be. Yeah. I, I mean, Julian stuff is not gonna. It's not like watching a John Wick trailer where you see him get on a horse and you're like, "Oh boy, yeah. game's gonna change." It's the, just, it's the Gilded Age. I'm excited for it. I, I did have some thoughts though. The the, the first thing, mm-hmm. you know, they try to grab you in with these like amazing visuals, but what I saw were just some bad CGI uh, fireworks going off, a bad CGI looking train, uh, some poor green screening of an opera house that they're opening, and it's like you don't have to wow us with this stuff, and especially where something with Downton Abbey, where so much was filmed on location, and when it wasn't, it was very apparent. Don't give us this terrible CG just to recreate the late eighteen nineties. Just let the dialogue do the heavy work lifting and the characters and, and stuff. It looked rough though, I thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, to your point, Dave. I, I I guess I will say the thing that did kind of zag me. Mm. Was uh, Aunt Ada having a girl uh, boyfriend dancing a, around with a man? A bow, yeah. That is interesting to me because we we think she got the short end of the stick, especially considering her celebrity power. Like she's no Cynthia Nixon, yeah. D lister, yeah. Like, yeah, and it comes back to the same themes we had last year, which was I wonder what Aunt Agnes will think because you know Aunt Agnes, uh, uh, she is not <laughs> a happy customer. 
Mm-hmm. And to that point, we also see Marion too. And I reround this a couple times where she says, but I don't just want a husband. The way she says it is phonetic in the trailer. You can sound out all the syllables she's pronouncing. This actress who plays uh, Marion on there, daughter of Meryl Streep. Uh, a daughter of like arguably the greatest of all time. Yeah. <laughs> Nepotism is live uh, today, but her performance doesn't look like it's picked up at all. Uh Looking up the actress's name again. Yeah, uh, Louisa Jacobson. That hasn't, hasn't really improved that much. Hopefully, yeah, she can learn a thing or two from Christine Baranski, schooling her again this season. Uh, and, yeah, George Russell and Bertha seem to be going back and forth. Bertha's still trying to own her place in the world with the opening of an opera house. And I like that the trailer took the time to announce, Peggy, I want to come back. Oh, okay, you don't say. The One of the lead characters from the first season who left at the end of the first season, spoiler alert for Gilded Age, she wants to be back. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have her. Yeah. I mean, no, she's listen, the I think, best I character. I think we we can get we can we can get super deep into this trailer when we revisit the Gilded Age finale, which we're going to do in two weeks. Mm-hmm. So I think before we get ahead of ourselves and analyze every every character is popping up because it is good to see Drake Karn. It is good to see George Russell. Mm-hmm. It is good to see Aunt Ad- Aunt Agnes and, and the gang. But let's uh, let's put a pin in this for now because I think we want to have something more to talk about when we do talk about that. And just a reminder, Drake Karn is not an actual character on the show. There is no crossover with Poldark. No. He, he is Larry Russell. <laughs> he traded the name Drake for the name Larry. Uh, and he's in Poldark, or not Poldark, um, Bridgerton as well, right? Uh, well, I... Don't think so. And it looks like you are wrong. So, yeah. No, he is not. He's not? Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought he was a, one of the Bridgerton brothers. No. Uh, Harry Richardson is not at all. He's in Dunkirk, though, that movie, and his name is Private. So there you go. Oh, cool. Good. <laughs> well, yeah. we got a, we got a b- big episode to unload this week. Good Lord, yeah. <laughs> from, from our Lords of Grantham Lounge... OG, OG patron, Chris, mm-hmm. asked us to go where no man really wants to go. Yeah. Season 5, episode 8. Hour Rose's and 7 wedding. minutes. Hour and 7. Hour and 7 minutes. <laughs> we, we put it to our listeners, and we love you. But it was just like, do I have the time <laughs> this week for that extra 20 minutes on the episode? Like, can you please let us watch, like... A Poldark episode where Ross throws somebody through a window. Like, no, 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 no. We're going to the War Memorial episode. I'm just glad they didn't ask us to watch, like, Down Abbey, the New Age again. Can you do that? <laughs> well. Which we will. We will. Just not- <laughs> I just don't know if I got two hours right now. Uh, luckily, yesterday was a day off, so <laughs> I had the time to get to it. So. So where do we want to start in this one? This is season five, episode eight, so. We think the Mr. Green stuff is done, and as far as that's concerned, mm-hmm. Atticus Rose engaged. Yeah, Marigold drama still afoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary's done with Gillingham. Yep. But we have yet to meet. What's his name? Talbot. Yep. And anything else we are missing? Oh, B- Branson. Branson might be going away. Yeah, and Kurtigan. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I think we can talk Kurtigan right now because that is a one scene plot. Yeah, it's like a two and a half. Yeah, but it's one scene with our man. What's his name? Kurtigan? Yeah, the actor is, uh, he's in Snatch. I know, I always forget. He's got a good good name. Oh, oh Rage Serbegia. Rage? Raid. A oh, raid. Raid. Wow. Okay. Despite all his raid, uh, <laughs> there's still a lot of rats in his cage. Uh, yeah, uh, he, he he comes over, and and Danker's like, "Lady, you gotta go downstairs." Mm-hmm. There's he, Prince. A prince you should dress up. You. you should wear wear something nice. And I, this is not my. I mean, we talked last week about like our favorite and least favorite eras of characters on this show. Mm-hmm. Violet and Kurrigan might be like low point Violet. The low point? Yeah, I feel like she's just, I mean, I think there's a little whimsy, but then I think the movie does the better, or Downton Abbey, A New Era circles back and brings us like, oh, Violet had her fun too when she was young in a better way than this one, than the Kurrigan subplot. I don't know. Listeners remind us, but I feel like when we watched this in season five, we were having a ball that Violet was getting a meaningful storyline. Oh, I mean, I think it's a meaningful storyline, but I think that in this particular moment, like, Kurrigan kind of puts his foot down and granted we know how it winds up. Yeah. And as we said the past several weeks, we will spoil things that happen after. So And before. We know that Violet doesn't pick him. But I think it's kind of a bad look for Prince Kurrigan to be like, you're coming with me. I want to be with you. I liked it, man. That's the bottom line. I don't, I don't think this is a low point at all for Violet. I was all in. Like, someone who's hot for her and getting her a little sweaty, that's a, it's a predicament we don't always get to see her in. I like to see her kind of have to be on her back foot a little bit, you know, having to think okay. things through. Okay, yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, so it's just a nice change of pace for her. And just, like, you can see there's a little bit of excitement that she doesn't always have, <laughs> you know, throughout the show mm-hmm. uh, That that's all her own. And so I, I, I liked it. I liked that Kurrigan was like throwing it down like, hey, my wife's dead. <laughs> There's an empty seat no, here. No, not de- <laughs> Presumed dead. Presu- yeah, <laughs> she might as well be. Come on. Come on in. Uh, Which you meant like, what a piece of trash. This guy's like, hey. Hey, he's been I'm waiting old. here for his whole life, man. He wants to get back. Yeah, but his wife, what if his wife walked in the room the next day? Don't, don't they find her? Isn't that how the show goes? Yeah, it ends up, I think, being okay. Because, uh, yeah, she, she shows up. But... I will say, while we're talking on the point of Maggie Smith, there's a great moment this uh, early in the episode where uh, Rose is trying on dresses, and she puts on one that she loves, and then uh, Violet says, put on the hat, because she's curious to see how it looks. And then everyone like is very kind and applauds her, like, ooh. And then Violet is just kind of like, gentle applause. <laughs> like, she, she still doesn't really <laughs> love the dress, even after seeing the hat on it. But they don't make a note of it or anything. It's just the way she acts. It's so good. But, uh, she's, yeah, she's def- she she's definitely this is again this is that part of the show where she's also like further and further from the pulse as far as the world is concerned, and she's starting to be like, all right, I'm, mm-hmm. I I'm just too old to like this hat, which yeah. is uh, which is fine. Let's uh, ta- ta- uh, tackle some other low hanging fruit. <coughs> There's a one scene appearance of uh, Lord Gillingham and Mabel Lane Fox, which. Made up for us watching this extra long episode. If you choose one that has Mabel Lane Fox in it, I'm in. <laughs> this is good. Uh, She's she is a, a treat, and and mm-hmm. kind of wish they. 
is she is she in other things? This actress was her I name, don't know. Uh, Catherine Stedman. I'm on her IMDb right now. No, she's I, in thirty. Oh yeah, she's in thirty eight things. I like to think she's just Mabel Lane Fox, and that's fine. And they show up again in that season six. Uh, but yeah, they they are getting married, and they're like, Mary, that's you're you're welcome. Or Mary says like, Well, I, I'll see you at the wedding. And Branson comments, This is awkward. Uh, because I think mm-hmm. she's kind of assuming they're getting married, and she's like, "Yeah, oh yeah, we're getting married. You'll be there. You'll be partying with us. This will be good." Yeah, Gilliam barely, and, barely and, even says anything. Well, because Gilliam is like, "Yeah, remember when like we banged out for a weekend, and uh, then I threatened you at the beginning of the season to be in a relationship, which we never followed up on." Uh, and Mary's like, "Look, Maybelline, Maybelline's hotter than me." You won, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Don't worry. But we do get that sweet scene though afterwards, where Carson reassures Mary, like we all knew, we I knew Gilliam wasn't the one. Other people may have not thought that, but I knew it wasn't happening for you. I know what makes you happy. Carson makes you happy. Yeah. And then there's the scene after that where Mary tells uh, Robert that the butler just invaded my personal life, and I think that we need to fire him because it's an invasion <laughs> of privacy. <laughs> And then they do. What did I... I meant no such thing. (laughs) Show him getting... No reference. Carson always overstepping his boundaries a little bit with Mary because he cares. (laughs) Just because he cares. Uh, What's the one thing he says at one time of the show? A kiss from her is worth more than anything. It's like, you're an old man. Mrs. Hughes is standing there like, bro, come on. (laughs) I've been throwing myself at you forever. Um, But, uh... What is it? Mary does relate to Robert, though, like... Man, everyone's moving on, and I'm still stuck here. Well, <laughs> I yeah. You're I have the, a feeling you'll find someone very soon. Mary. Yeah, if only you weren't. If you're not the lead actress of the show, then I, I you know, I'd say you're worse off. But I think you're gonna be fine. You know. Uh. Yeah. No. What What else do we have on the low hanging fruit end? I think. Uh, I think we can get the Daisy out of the way. Your favorite character. Get to it. Another, another banner week for Daisy. <laughs> uh, so your your boy, Molesley, wants yeah. to go to the museum mm-hmm. in London. And he wants to bring Baxter with him. Yep. But, you know, as we know from the timeline of the films, it still takes this man another like six years to get the guts to ask her out. Yep. So Daisy goes as the third wheel. And they go to one. And as as they outright say... This is not a good museum. This is like the sea level museum of very niche stuff mm-hmm. that Mosley's super interested in. And Daisy just all of a sudden says, I want to, I'm done with Downton. I want to be in the city. All these opportunities that I didn't know were something that I could have, I can have, and I want them. <laughs> She's only just realizing this at age 20 something. <laughs> yeah. And I think, so like we, we talked about it last time, or the last discussion we had about Daisy, where I, mm-hmm. I said that, you know, her naivete is, it's like a little too heavy handed. And yeah. I think the argument that you made in regards to William was that she should have, uh, you know, she should be in charge of her own mm-hmm. decision making in life, regardless of whether or not it's appropriate. It's that, you know, yeah. this is an episode where, like, you could argue Daisy is stupid in this episode. <laughs> I think, and I think that's a, a a quick decision to jump to, but I don't think it's an unfair argument. 
She's indecisive, I think, is more accurate. <laughs> and ig- ignorant. She's absolutely ignorant, but I think th- her reactions to, like, a museum in a city are so, mm-hmm. like, out well, of... Th- they're so beyond what a normal human would be like, oh, it's a big city. No, I, I think it's... A, I think no, it's, it's a, really a reflection upon her, which is that she mm-hmm. looks at art, and whereas Mosley and Baxter see, like, beauty and things about the world... She looks inward and thinks about herself, how she doesn't see these things and stuff like that. And I think that's a running theme with Daisy throughout the show is she's very self-centered in a lot of ways in the way she carries mm-hmm. herself around people. And I think that's reflected in, in that moment right there. And even to like her saying, like, I want to go learn and be educated in the city or go to the city. She's not thinking about how that influences the people directly around her, like Pat Moore in Mason, which is something season six will have to teach her. <laughs> you know, to, to mm-hmm. learn her values of like why it, you can't just run away and just be all yourself. Um, yeah, but she goes as far as to tentatively put her notice in. Yeah. To the point where Pat Moore is bawling her eyes out. And she's, she's a selfish like, girl. What do you do? Like, of course I'm crying because of you. I love you. You're my, you're basically my daughter. And, and this yeah. is how you're treating me. And Daisy's yeah. like, well, I'm not leaving tomorrow. It's like, shut, shut up. <laughs> Now's not the time. That, that's the other thing, too, is like the, they keep that naivete, uh, childish naivete of like just tact. Not knowing how, she doesn't know how to really communicate with others that well <laughs> to let them down easier. Oh, yeah. Make them feel you know better about what she's choosing to do and stuff like that. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a problem for another day. <laughs> That's a problem for a season that we won't revisit in this time around. No. So what else do we have going on? I well, think we, we have the Pat two Moore. big. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think this is a cap, uh, a, a follow up to the follow of the previous episodes where she had a cousin, Archie, who served in the war. But because he was a deserter or alleged deserter, at least, and died, they don't want to recognize him. Uh, for, mm-hmm. for the memorial that they're building, because uh, Carson's heading the charge, and so I think she's very offended by that. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But Robert takes a takes a moment to say to Patmore, "You need to come to this." She'd already told Carson this episode, "If you if it's okay, I'd rather not." And Carson says, "You you should." And we get the only line from or one of like five lines from Hughes' episode saying, "No, it's okay if Patmore doesn't want to go." <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But. As we see, there's a special announcement that her deserter cousin <laughs> has a plaque on a wall because Robert, I think more than anything, respects Pat more. And, and so he does that for her. It's a really sweet moment. I thought it was awesome well, I think the way Robert the, does that. There's a great part in this episode where Robert is like, we need to make sure Mr. Mason has the front row yep. for this presentation because William left our home mm-hmm. to serve our country and then died. Yeah. So like... Robert is, I think, at his core, he's like a, a man's man in the sense that, like, he respects what, what like, every man, you know, what, what you're taught to yeah. respect. And duty is one of those things. And I think that we did get the context, you know, since we haven't watched the rest of the season, we can't recite it out loud. What happened to Archie, um, mm-hmm. Patmore's nephew. Yeah. But we do know that, like, he... He technically left under bad circumstances, but didn't actually like morally leave under those circumstances. Right. So the only way to honor him is for Robert to 
employ the guy who makes his dog's graves, mm-hmm. headstones, to do a plaque. Yeah. Which is really Which sweet. Which is a nice plot. Good look for Robert. Good Robert bit. And there's such a sincerity there. You almost wish you know, Robert and Pat Mark could go in for a hug because it's such a sweet moment. But it's like, nah, he, he's your employer. Can't do it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and this is another, I mean, it's very much a side plot. There's so many like little quick hits aside from the major domineering plots. But even in that moment, and it follows up on some other moments in the episode, Robert's looking at Edith holding Marigold. And he's like, there's something about that Marigold. <laughs> there's something about her. It takes like two scenes of him just tilting his head like, huh. What could it be? But then he, but then, and then he figures it out. Right. He's like, Cor, let me, t- let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> He's got Gregson's eyes. She's got Gre- And Cora's like, I'm not saying nothing. That's not my story to tell. Mm-hmm. Well, he to says, j- just like, say, uh, if I'm wrong, you know, let me know. And she says, you're not wrong. He's like, knew it. <laughs> uh, and then Cora does say, "Like, are you going to love love her like the, your granddaughter that she actually is?" And Roberts has to take like a minute. He's like, "Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so." I uh, can't let Mary or Tom or anyone know, uh, just because you know. It's, yeah, Mary makes the the comment, like, "Just wait till you have your own kid." Oh boy. Mm-hmm. But uh. It's yeah, so funny how they, they hit that whole thing. And then all season six is just a slow play of Mary realizing, wait a second. Uh, but that is the cliffhanger, I think, for the uh, the, the episode uh, of mm-hmm. the revelation that, oh, Robert has another granddaughter. Uh, the, for season finales of the show, this is one of the more unremarkable uh, cliffhangers, I'd say. Uh, there, I mean, not to say well, there's then, not, not threads dangling, but like it just kind of is just like it just ends because <laughs> they know the Christmas special is coming. Yeah, this one is definitely more of a teeing up the Christmas special than it is a finale. Yeah. Like we tie up the stuff that's not crucial to our main core characters in that Patmore gets a lot of resolution, mm-hmm. Rose and Atticus get a lot of resolution, and... Everybody else gets kind of thrown into the fire even further. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about the one big cliffhanger, though, that's heading into the the Christmas special. Is that Anna and Bates? Anna and Bates. It would not be Anna and Bates if you weren't going into a Christmas special wondering, are they going to be okay? Mm Mm-hmm. And Sergeant Willis comes through. Bless his heart. The only good cop. (laughs) Yeah. But he's got some company. And... They got some questions. Yeah, speak like even even Fellows has this idea that like a lot of cops are scumbags because yeah. Willis is just this like gregarious man who's in town, and then he's got this like slimy London detective with him. In, in Down Abbey, all cops are bad except for Sergeant Willis. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> if that T-shirt would sell, I would I would put it up on the T Public tomorrow. A cab, except for Sergeant Willis. (laughs) I mean, Sergeant Willis, literally, the only thing missing from this episode, or all the episodes down, is when Sergeant Willis walks in the room, is just an off-camera crowd applauding (laughs) when he shows up. (laughs) It's the best, every time. Uh, But yeah, this guy is like, I don't care who you are, you're coming in for questioning. We got got things going on. And and Bates is Mm -hmm. asking, "Can, can I come along? 
Yeah, whatever, limp, guy with the limp. Yeah, come along. I don't like you. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great? Well, if, I think the guy at, at one point like references to like, bro, you know how important the judicial system is. Yeah. And if I were based in that moment, I would have clocked that cop in the back of the head. The only thing missing like, is... Man, if, I, I was put in jail under false imprisonment. Yeah. Like, who it, do you it, think you are talking to me like that? I'm John freaking Bates. It should have been like Craig... Uh, or something like that, or or during, or whatever, or whichever one was the police officer, uh, officer at that jail, like coming back mm-hmm. to be the one to bring him in. That would have been perfect. Oh, Bates would have killed him. He would have just started <laughs> stabbing him right then. He just unveils like a like a knife from the cane and just starts stabbing. Uh, I think there's a forty percent chance that he does have a knife in that cane. Oh, absolutely. You can't tell me that Bates isn't always packing some kind of weaponry on him at any time. Oh, he's he's up there. There's open carry at the Bates household. <laughs> Um, did they have a house by that point? Had they bought in a house? They're in the cottage, I think, in town. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's probably We're thinking, not in town. I'm on the Downton property. Yeah. If Anna has to go to jail, how am I going to pay for this house? Uh, it ain't cheap. But um, yeah. So they bring her in. They don't really give the full detail. They just have her stand in the line, and a guy walk by to identify who the potential like perpetrator is. And mm-hmm. it's Anna's number who gets called because they they get to leave, which is crazy. The guy seems to clock her immediately that that she's the person who may have murdered Mr. Green, but they don't say anything. They let her go back to Downton and then arrest her. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and then take her away in in cuffs and Bates and Roberts and his night clothes. You know, everyone is yeah. all. Yeah, that's a rough scene. Rough scene to watch. And there's a weird thing about the way they play it where, like, Carson and Bates are talking and Bates is already saying there's not enough evidence to get a conviction. And it's not played in a way of, like, him trying to be optimistic. He says it so definitively that you kind of believe that, like, okay, so Anna will be free. It's just a matter of, you know, time. (laughs) Uh, You also know that they would never end the show with Anna being in jail. (laughs) Poor sweet Anna. The one thing you got to say about the kayfabe of Downton Abbey is... Like, there's no world where uh, an Earl would continue to employ this imprisoned guy. And and then his this imprisoned guy's wife gets lo- locked up and they still keep their job. Just from like a mm-hmm. outward facing point of view. And they'd be like, look, Anna Bates, we love you. We're getting lots of terrible press. People don't want to eat here. They think you're jailbirds. Yeah. You gotta go. Yeah, the news would circulate absolutely. <laughs> um, but, anyways, Anna's in jail. Not good times. No, not at all. Now, does that leave us with our big two, or do we have any other sort of? Um, checking, checking. I checking. think that's really it. Well, our, our well, Andy w- and the Baxter, and then, then there's the the marriage, and. Yeah, there's the wedding and the drama involving the upstairs parents. And then there's the downstairs with the the, the den of, of gamblers. Well, it's kind of thrown away or tossed off this episode, but Branson does say his cousins asked him to join him as a partner in farm machinery. Yeah. Well, no, that, that's where Mary says, at least until Christmas. Or is it Branson's like, I'll make my decision at Christmas. Yeah. And around that time, was it uh, Robert also says he's selling off the delicate Contessa or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the Della Francesca. De Francesca, yeah. Because he has bad memories of it because Mr. Bricker. And so uh, he doesn't need it anymore. Good money. And Cora's like, really? 
Yeah. Is it because of me? And then, and then Robert, what is Robert? He says, like, he realized that, like, that he let that get in the way of their relationship. Mm-hmm. Or that he was so foolish to, to be so blind. Yeah, it just doesn't bring him joy anymore. Yeah, well, sell it. Make some money. And they say there's enough money from selling the De La Francesca that they can redo multiple cottages. Like, that's how rich they are, where they're like, yeah, this thing that, like, my wife almost, like, fooled around with this art dealer. This is enough to literally house... I mean, a handful of families you'd in think, town. Like, did they just not communicate this to Murray in season three when they were going broke? Like, hey, we got this Della Francesca here that can go for a lot of money. Should we sell it? No, no, no. Hold on to it. Or they, like, what? What? How did that? that, that Maybe they just found from? it in the attic. They're like, oh, we got to dust off this old DLF, the <laughs> Della Francesca, and we got to sell it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, up to you, Dave. What do you want to talk about now? Well, I, I, I think uh, I think the, the the gambling thing is a little bit more fun. So I think yeah. why don't we talk about the because Rose and Atticus's wedding, as they even themselves describe, mm-hmm. is a modest affair. So I think let's yeah. knock that one off. Sure. Rose is getting married, which is wild since we just watched season three, episode three, that they introduced an entire character in that time span who is then already getting married by the end of <laughs> near the end of season five. We just jumped yeah, across and, time. And you keep in mind the fact that she has multiple suitors before mm-hmm. she settles on Atticus. Yeah. Yeah, no, we completely don't even see Jack Ross that comes in the picture later in season three. Uh, but yeah, they're up to London for the, for this wedding. And so that means her parents are coming to down, town. So Shrimpy and the terrible, terrible Susan. Susan. No Hughes to be seen, though. Uh, <laughs> who had No O'Brien to be seen. They oh, do I, reference I, her once. They do. Yeah. That she's off somewhere or she disappeared, right? Or something? I think like she's just caught up in the job, right? Or did she leave again? Yeah, something like that. She's just not there. <laughs> so but. we know we know from previous episodes that uh, Susan, Shrimpy, they're not in a great spot. Mm-hmm. Losing money. Uh-huh. That's why they moved to India. And... They are really struggling because they're basically divorced. They're yeah. not out as being divorced. And they know that they're already kind of in the in the ish with the Cinderbees just before they even meet them because the Cinderbees are this sort of upstanding family. They made mm-hmm. their own way as Jewish people in England. Yeah. And divorce is not smiled upon by any, you know group of that time let alone two aristocratic families from very different backgrounds combining so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of tension in the air about that right but rose being rose doesn't seem to care (laughs) but fellows she doesn't know about the divorce yeah but also fellows leans into the fact that they're jewish because he's like well they're marrying a family that's low on money and they're coming for the jewish people who or have their money. It's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. leaning into the, the. He doesn't lean too hard into the stereotypes there, but it's just like, yeah, yeah. He doesn't lean into the stereotypes, but he leans into the fact that he is like conveniently woke. Where at one point in the end, towards the end of the episode, this older lady walks up to Robert and Cora and is like, oh, imagine. Mm-hmm. And Robert's like, oh, because they're Jewish? Don't you know that Cora's father is Jewish? And the woman's like, 
and walks away. Like, yeah, you had to get that. Julian, this is an hour, 10 minutes. We don't need you proving that everyone in the world is, a, you know, accepting in your circle of characters. Right. But then everybody else is a piece of junk. Right. Because Cinderby is not very kind. Uh, he, you know, tells Atticus several times throughout this episode that he is not like Rose, really, even though she's a nice girl. He calls her a shiksa, which uh, mm-hmm. I had not heard before. Uh, but according to the dictionary, it's uh, a Gentile girl or woman. It's uh, often derogatory uh, used by Jewish people, according to, mm-hmm. to the dictionary. So, yeah, he's he does not accept Rose. And so there, there is some controversy this episode where they have a stag party. Yep. And none of the elder statesmen want to join that. So it's all Atticus and his boys. Uh, you know, his boy's named Mike, I'm sure. Uh, and they have a good time. And he's going up to his room. And a woman follows him there. And all she does well, he is... Like, he, like, winks at her at the bar. Yeah. But, you know, he's drunk. <laughs> yeah, so she follows him. He's like, hey, hey, you know, I was... I'm, I'm a little... I'm getting married. Like, mm-hmm. be on your way. Yeah. And so he's already undressing himself with the with the door half open, and she slinks in there, pulls her dress down to her shoulders, and she's like, "Nah, I gotta go." Pulls him back up, and he he just kind of laughs to himself, uh, amused, but he doesn't seem to think much about it, which is kind of wild. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, he's also like three sheets of the wind. He's true. probably like, "What the what happened?" Thank God this didn't go any further. Yeah, uh, but it was all a part of the plan. He was, he was mm-hmm. photographed with her. Yeah, so she gets the photo. Uh, Rose is at lunch with uh, Edith, uh, Tom, and Mary, and she gets mm-hmm. these photos, and everyone's like, we got to get on this. Time to handle business. Can't even have lunch. Uh, Can't even have lunch at the place where Edith and, and Gregson went on their first date. But it's funny, because in that moment, Branson is like, well, someone had to be out to do this. This just this so doesn't make sense. And it seems like you'd think there's going to be a Branson plot where he tries to suss this out based on him having that hunch. And he doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just kind of teases, uh, uh, tips us off to the fact that there's something afoot here. Well, then Branson also makes the comment of like, this is a stag party. This kind of stuff goes down. Yeah. But he knows something's up. And it really falls in trippy. Uh because we do see that Susan wants to send off a letter earlier in this episode, and we we're like, "Oh, Carson can just send the, the letter. Don't worry about it." Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what has the check to pay someone off to take a photo of this stuff. Yep. And so, Trippy has the checkbook. He notices that a check is missing. Which, come on, Susan, be a little bit more discreet if you're going to be cutting checks. And he he knows because the the word has already started to circulate that Atticus may have gotten up to something. And we even see that when Baxter and Mosley are going for a walk and Mosley uh, or Baxter says like, or they see them fighting and Baxter says, well, you put a ring on it and your troubles go away. And Mosley says, oh, do you need a ring? And and she doesn't really give much of a response. She's Uh, like, maybe after you get a real job as a screenwriter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But yeah, they're they're going at it. So the the word is out there, but Shrimpy is just like, "No, no, we know exactly what's going on. Well, we are, we're also skipping over the fact that all signs point to Lord Cinderby being the culprit here. Yes. So Atticus has a conversation. He's like, this did not happen. This is mm-hmm. these, these photos are out there. I was drunk. This woman came in. And, and you got to say, everyone is pretty much on board with like, oh, we know you didn't do this. We know this is a setup. Yeah. 
instead of being like, dude, you got drunk and you you hooked up with somebody <laughs> the night before your wedding. Mm-hmm. Everyone is pretty much on the same level that Atticus is a good enough guy not to do that. Yeah. But Lord Cinderby's like, I don't like her, <laughs> but I would never do something that gross. Exactly. Yeah, Atticus, stand-up guy. Even when he's talking to, to Rose in this episode, she's like, I know you wouldn't have done that. I know you're not that kind of guy. There's obviously something afoot here. <laughs> mm-hmm. To which uh, Lady Cinderby, Lady Brockenhurst mm-hmm. from Belgravia, says, she already knows you better than your son knows you. So, yeah. Lady Lady Cinderby is on board, or not or on board-ish. Yeah, regardless of, of what Lord Cinderby has to, to say. And also, this is where Susan makes a scene where she says, I have to say this. It has to come out. I'm getting divorced, y'all. <laughs> can't, mm. can't stay with the strippy guy. And everyone's just like, don't make this about yourself. Don't make this about yourself. I'm not making it about myself. But this infuriates uh, Lord Cinderby. <laughs> and as you're and, saying. And Lady, Lady Cinderby says, if you even think about doing anything to stop this marriage, I will walk away from you, yep. bro. Yeah. To which Cinderby is totally put in his place. That's it. And that's all. <laughs> And the best is like Rose isn't even there to bear witness to this. So like Susan, who is gets a total talking to by Shrimpy. Yeah. Who we know for a fact is not even blood related to the characters on this show. <laughs> but everyone has like chosen to like Shrimpy better than Susan. Yeah. Because he is better. So <laughs> she's yeah, such oh, a, undeniably a, he's better. She's such a drip. Uh, she's terrible. And I believe she even makes a point in this episode that I think Shrimpy is talking to Violet and Susan says, that's not even your aunt. That's my aunt. Yeah. Like she's just miserable through and through and through. And she, so. she's talking to Violet at one point too, Susan says, and she's like, or is it her talking to her? But she's like, I, I did, did it for love. And the dowager's like, no, no, love can, can make you do dangerous things. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's too late to be a good loser. But, uh, yeah, so the wedding kind of is what it is. It's pr- the most like on the DL Downton wedding in the show. I mean, for when you have someone like Lady Rose, who's like one of the beauties of the show, they kind of did her dirty and dressing her, not dressing her up in a big white mm-hmm. getting, wedding gown. I, I get they're trying to keep it true to her, like very like modern character pushing things forward. But like, man, they whiffed on an opportunity to really dress her up nicely. It's yeah. a dingy courthouse looking place. It's just. What is it? It is a courthouse, right? Yeah, it's it's, a, uh, it's not. It's not the most becoming place. It's, no, it's not glamorous at all. Yeah. And yeah, they're married. Does it even come out that the photos were, were that Susan was behind it? No, because Shrimpy's the only one who finds out, and he tells. He tells, I believe he tells Rose that he's like, I know who did it, or does he tell Atticus? Yeah. He tells one of them, he's like, I know who did it, and. I'm not going to tell you. It's nobody. It's nobody you really know. It's mm-hmm. a troublemaker. Yeah. And it's like, well, good. Going to get a problem divorce. solved. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm single, baby. I'm. I'm here to play. I'm broke and I'm single. There you go. Happily married. So yeah, that leaves just the the danker of it all. Yeah, danker and our our new friend Andy is here. Yeah. Who's being addressed as a guy who's going to be written off quickly because he's just there for the the season. To help out with this uh-huh. while, while they're doing this London marriage. Little did they know he would fall in love with Laura Carmichael. Nope. 
Well, yes, in, in, in real life, Edith, but yeah, on the show, it's, it's Daisy. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong, Dave, but they just acknowledged that Danker took out Andy to like one of the bars, right? It just happened. <laughs> well, well, what happens is Danker is making a fuss about mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm in town. I used to, I grew up around here. This is my old stomping grounds. And then Andy comes in and she starts like, you know, kind of grooming him for the situation where she's like, so you're not from around here. Oh, yeah. But you lo- you, you want to check out London. You want to see a good time, right? Mm-hmm. And then she's like, well, I'll take you out later. Yep. And then is this the, the first night, the night where she comes back drunk or is it the second night? Second night. Because the first night they come okay. back and they've, they've had a good time, clearly. Or he hears about it in passing, right? And, and that's mm-hmm. when Barrow says to her, like, I don't think uh, Andy enjoyed the night out, you know? And Danker, Danker, who does have a bit in the beginning with Spratt with the luggage, where mm-hmm. she gets a one up on Spratt, and you're, I'm saying, you know, anyone who likes Spratt is like, oh, come on, Spratt, you're trying to, you know, yeah, you, you can't one up a, a one upper, you he, can't BS a BS. She's too good behind. at this game. Yeah, yeah. So and immediately they, yeah, she susses out that there's a case missing. <laughs> she's she's already in full on heel Danker mode where we don't like her. Yep, and. So she, then the next night we see that she's like, do we see the, the club the next, the second night? Yep. We, we see what they're getting into. Uh-huh. So and this is a club where if you bring a mark and the mark spends money, you get to drink on the house. Yeah. So and the second night, Carson says, we got a big wedding. Mm-hmm. What are you people doing going out, staying out late? Like you need to be back before 10 o'clock. And then we see both of them get back with work to be done. They yeah. get back very, very, very late. Because the, the pro- problems that Carson's struggling with is she's not entirely under his purview since she works with uh, the Dowager. So yep. as long as she's back by 10 and brings him back by 10, that's all that matters. But they're late. Mm-hmm. And Andy's got to go get his livery on. And uh, Uncle Thomas is there to yeah. offer some advice where he, he basically tells him, you know, like, I know this is a, a good moment in the show for Barrow. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he he's pretty much on the babyface trajectory right now. Yeah. But it's still pretty creepy when he calls him Uncle Tom, call me Uncle Thomas. Let your Uncle Thomas help you out. It's like, oh, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. You've but been in some trouble in this show. <laughs> yeah, they're supposed to show, show up on time that night, and they don't. And they're just like, mm-hmm. where are they? And that's when Danker rolls in, drunk as a skunk. And Andy just looks miserable. And as you're saying, yeah, leave it to Uncle Thomas. It turns out that he's gambled his whole like life savings. He's not a rich man. No. And so they go back to the bar the next night, but Thomas comes to, to join them. He wants in on the fun. Yeah, well, well Barrow is like, oh, I, I want to go. Uh-huh. Count me in. And Denker's like, oh, that's great. Another mark. More drinks on me. And he's like, oh, no, no. I'm bringing Andy along, too. Mm-hmm. And Danker's kind of like, oh, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah. And we see this club, and it is a terrible club. Like, is is Danker that much of an alcoholic that she, she's got to like slum it in this dingy, you know, gambling den just to drink? Like, can't <laughs> she just go to a bar and get some cheap drinks? I mean, it, it just looks like a, a backroom bar, a, you know, um, what do you call it when there's a hidden room in a bar? It's like, or a, it's like a poker room. It's like a speakeasy. Yeah, speakeasy. That's exactly what it is. Uh, 
But Barrow susses it out immediately and talks to the shoot, the, the guy who owns the bar, and just tells him that this lady's been bringing my young friend here to get free drinks. Well, well what Barrow does is he, he like, apparently he's a card shark because he wins enough money to get Andy out of debt. Yeah. So, like, he pays off Andy. He's like, look, just take it, go, pay your debt. Mm-hmm. I, I like I like revenge more than I like having a little bit more money in my pocket. Yeah. And that's when he pulls the guy over and he's like, yeah, she finds people in the alleyway on their way in and just asks to go in with them so she can drink on the house. And the shoot guy is like, oh, really? Yeah. So on the way out, we see Danker get, get got. Yep. And they say she'd been drinking on the house for three nights. Uh-uh. Time to pay up. Not like that. Time to pay the piper. And then that's that we see a danker. Mm-hmm. See you in season six. Yeah. The Christmas special, I forget. It is a good moment for Barrow. It does make me wonder, for a guy who complains about having to serve this house and earn his living that way, why didn't he just become a card shark and make a living that yeah, way? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Just uh, clear out uh, the Reverend on the Bel- Belgravia and stuff. Get the money. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, good on him. And, yeah, it's a, it's a nice moment. But you can still see there's some apprehension with Andy welcoming him in as a friend as after all he's been told about Barrow being a suspect character. Uh, yeah, yeah, because there's one a moment where, like, who is it, Mr. Carson's, like, hanging out with these two. You're yeah. going to be in trouble. You know, a lot of people are saying, like, yeah, Barrow's kind of a creep. Mm-hmm. Which is good. There's a lot of data to back that up. Yeah. So that's, uh, I think that's all of season five, episode eight. We kind of marathon yeah. ran, ran through that. That was. Well, when you have these huge plots, it's easy to talk about them in broad strokes. Mm-hmm. Whereas a million teeny tiny deep plots like this one, you yeah. just talk about Kurrigan real fast. Yeah. Easy. Done. Not that hard. Yeah. Cause there's no resolutions here and not too much unpack really. Uh, yeah, so I think Chris wanted to. Chris said the reason he wanted us to watch this episode was to watch Barrow grind down Danker, which is great. We hate Danker. Everyone hates Danker. Oh if yeah. If you like Danker as a listener, let us know on the socials because she's she's got to be one of the worst characters. And I know she's an intentional heel, but mm-hmm. she's very unpleasant. Yeah, because uh, yeah, to this point we'd seen her and Sprat, you know, spar, but we hadn't really seen her got her get her punishment, which was. Long coming and deserved <laughs> for being such a. You you wish Sprat got the shot to do it. Yeah. Don't I mean like I wish Sprat got the chance to put her in her spot. Sprat's too much of a loser but, though. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he kind of. He's he's a very successful gossip columnist or. A, yeah. Whatever he does on the side. Right. So, I guess we could just do the rankings then. Yeah, let's do it. Well, I'll I'll start. Uh, yeah, you start this week. Who who's going down? Who's had a bad week? Danker, number three. She gets caught out for number all those th- booze, uh, and she has to pay the bill. You know, mm-hmm. she was living high off life for a few days, but didn't work out in her favor. I mean, this is a, all right. It, she took an L, but not as big an L as some other people this week. Okay, that's fair. Well, at number three, I got a tie. Okay, two people with with the same motivations with different. Different entry points. They got Susan, and I got Lord Cinderby, stinking mm-hmm. it up on the bottom because, you know, Cinderby doesn't stoop to the lows that Susan does. Yeah, but they're both pretty miserable, and they don't really. They're, they're selfish. 
and they're and they don't care about the fact that their kids are both in love with each other. Mm-hmm. Bad luck. Two bad characters. You know, Cinderby. He looks like a creep on Game of Thrones. He is a creep on Game of Thrones. <laughs> and he has a suspect tan for a guy who's living in London. <laughs> Very oh, yeah. tan. Yeah, he should be in India. Right? Flip the script. Yeah. So those two stink. They can kick rocks. See ya. Same for the same reasons I got Susan on number two. This is the most negative energy you can have in a room. The even mm-hmm. even when like they're like nightcap everyone, Shrimpy says, I'm gonna go to sleep and Susan says I'll stick around to say goodnight to everyone. Get out of here, woman. Just have a sip and go to sleep. Just leave. Yeah. Yeah. No one wants to be around you. Uh, That's probably why Hughes is on the lam. I don't know. Not Hughes. uh, O'Brien. Jeez. Uh, O'Brien. O'Brien and Susan are two two peas in a pod. They're both these miserable Mm -hmm. people. Yeah. So Number two going down, I I got Danker because Danker Danker screws herself because she gets played for... she, She keeps flying too close to the sun thinking she can outwit any of these people. Right, she's she's playing checkers with all these world class chess players, and just because Spratz is screw up, and he lost that one hand or one game, Barrow, Bar- you know she's playing ch- chess or checkers. Barrow's out here playing, you know, the most complicated. He's playing the most dangerous game. He's he's playing a totally different arena. No, he's playing uh, poker. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. he is. It's, it's a lot more dangerous. Uh, yeah. So she gets, she's just a she stinks. Good for her losing that money. She's awful. Absolutely. Number one, it, it for me it was pretty obvious is Anna. Yeah, she's in cuffs. <laughs> she's going to jail. <laughs> Hard times there. She better she better learn a thing or two. That that is one thing they never really touch upon with Anna is that she, having served time in jail. I always forget that she even goes to jail. She doesn't learn a thing or two. You know, coming out of there. Well, like, Baxter too. You think like Baxter's gonna be like, hey, look, let me tell you, when you get on the when you're in the clink. Mm-hmm. You gotta find the biggest lady in the yard and hit her in the fa- well, in the face. Let I her, think Baxter learns a, a thing or two. You know, she alludes to kind of being you know street smart a little bit, whereas she doesn't pass it along. Yeah, exactly. And Anna doesn't. And really. Bates should be Pat Bates and Bates and Baxter should be in the corner smoking cigarettes, talking about their time in the can. That'd be dope. <laughs> uh, I'd watch that. Just confessions, jail, prison, jail confessions. Uh, all right. Well, Dave, who's going up? And number three, I got Robert. Okay. He's a, he's a bit of a background player here, but he has two very important moments. Mm-hmm. One of which being the plaque. Yeah. He takes that on all by himself. He does it without really telling anybody. Yeah. And then you, you, you kind of think he's being a little bit snobbish when he tells, uh, when he tells, what's her name? Why, why am I blanking on it? When he tells Patmore that she she has to be there, he says, yeah. "I would really appreciate it if you came." And you're like, and you're like, "Oh no, Robert, why are you doing this?" Only to have the plaque reveal, mm-hmm. and then also he figures out Marigold's secret, and sure. he doesn't make a thing out of it. He's very accepting, and he doesn't even make a fuss about it to Cora. Yeah. He's very level-headed, so good for him. All right. Well, number three, I got Ro- uh, Rose and Atticus. They they got married. Mm-hmm. You know, they had some ups mm-hmm. and downs, but they, they got the thing done, despite, you know, what some of their parents wanted. So, yeah, good on them. Okay. Kind of a blob. Well, no. In terms of weddings, if you've got to rank the Downton weddings, definitely bottom tier. But, you know, whatever. Good for them. Yeah, bottom tier, because even the ones, even Sir Anthony, which we talked about, Very it was memorable. a spectacle. Yep. Uh, number two, I got Barrow. Same. I got Barrow also. Uncle Thomas, baby. You got to yeah. trust your Uncle Thomas. 
he's he's taking care of business, you know, watching out for his boy Andy. And it's funny because Danker isn't even on his radar as an enemy or anything. He just knows that she's doing wrong by someone else. And that just speaks to his character and how much growth he has. He's like, no, I can't stand for this. I can't let her take advantage of yeah. my cohorts. Mm-hmm. Well, who's number one, Dave? Who's number one? I got Rose. Okay. Because I think this is, we, you can talk about splitting it with Atticus, but she takes it all in stride. And we see her growth here, too, because when she first came on this show, she was like, I want to be with any any interesting man that will be with me. Mm-hmm. And at this point, she's settling down with a guy. And when these photographs come out of him with a, a woman of the night, she's like totally understanding. Yeah, She's very open-minded. And then when she finds out that her mom tries to totally hijack the day, mm-hmm. plays it totally cool. Yeah. And she's like, who do you think you are? Like, I'm in love just because you can't have what I have. Screw you. Sure. You know, with all due respect to Atticus, she wins and she wins over at Lady Brockenhurst. Mm-hmm. You know, she wins her like good for her. Yeah. Well, for the reason she, she's not that active this episode and making things happen. She's just mm-hmm. getting married. For the same reasons as, as you had Robert number three, I got him at number one, but also he sold the Della Francesca and he made a nice little tidy right. profit on top of that too. That's a number three uh, reason for him to be at the top. He's also on the ground playing games with uh, his, his granddaughter. Getting, oh, he has a good Donk episode. Yeah, he, we, we see him getting called Donk. And also, I was looking at my notes from the last time we watched this episode, Isis had uh, recently passed away. And so he... Yeah, that's why the, that's why the person with the... Uh Memorials is there. Yeah. So he's kind of bounced back a little bit okay. And I just really thought that moment again with him and Pat Moore is so sweet. Just, you know, this is what the crawlers are supposed to do. Bring the village together. And this is, you know, a really mm-hmm. good moment for him. So, yeah, Robert at number one. Good Robert week. Definitely. Absolutely. Not always good Robert weeks, but this one is a good one. Yeah. All right. So that was season five, episode eight. And next week, I don't know what we're watching, Dave. I don't know what we're doing, but we're, we're, we're ramping up for Gilded Age. Yeah, so we got a couple more. So Gilded Age is in three weeks, right? So we'll be watching that the mm-hmm. night when it comes out on the 29th. So we have two more. Yeah, one of those is Gilded Age. So next finale. week will be our last um, sort of greatest hits because we're telling you in two weeks it's going to be the Gilded Age season one finale. And if you can, just go easy on us. You know, <laughs> Poldark. Well, at that the point, crown. we're going to be... We're we're gonna be oh oh you're you're asking for suggestions yeah we had a few in the in the Patreon group more Downton okay if you're listening if you've made it here and you're one of our patrons you you're an active listener and you got something else that's not a, a super heavy episode we would love we would love that yeah Corey doesn't have a, week, a day off next week if we have to watch another long episode of Downton he's gonna lose his mind I got a lot on my plate man so, yeah uh, well Dave have you been watching anything else. Nothing too. I mean, it feels like we just recorded yesterday. Yeah, uh, really... nothing. Nothing too crazy. Mm-hmm. Same old shows. I watched. Uh, you know, Golden Bachelor is is, is still as strangely uh, charming. Uh, Love is Blind is terrible. This is like so bad. How did this show? The producers really. You know, they lost their mind on this season. It's terrible. Yeah. There's just no one likable at all. I mean, there's, Mil- two, there's only two couples left. There's this only is- two couples left. Millen's the only guy who, who seems to be likable, but he's also too young to be in this experiment at age 24. Uh, and his family's well aware of what's going on. They're like, this is crazy. 
His sister's yeah. the best. I like his sister. Mm-hmm. But the, the the one thing that made me like my jaw drop was there was a couple that are about to get married there like two days out and they find out that he has like $3,500 at least in debt and doesn't have a credit card to his name that he can use. And mm-hmm. it's just like, wait, what? These people are not getting married. Why even tease that they may still get married? The financial insecurity there that he didn't reveal after being shamed by her whole family. Like he visits the family and they just laugh at him for not traveling or doing anything because he doesn't have money. There's no chance they're getting married. Is it 3500 or 35000 3500 which is like... That's not that much money. That's not that much money, but to not have credit cards at all means there's probably more to that story than just $3,500 yeah, that he hasn't paid off to not have a credit well, card I do at like, all. I do like that they show the um, his girlfriend or his fiance is like a Pilates mm-hmm. instructor. Yeah. And the both of them look like this, this sort of Peloton power couple. Yeah. And... I just, you know, I, I don't see, obviously he's not broke anymore or, mm-hmm. or whatever. The, the Netflix bump is going to do him some good in, in Texas, okay. whatever it is he does. Yeah. But he can have a date by a, a fighter jet. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the show is just bad. And then you just read about these couples that didn't actually make it to air where there was like alleged abuse and stuff going on. It's like, oh my mm-hmm. God, maybe just, just stay out of Texas for the show. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> They had the same thing, too, with the first season of Ultimatum, which was Texas, too. Uh, yeah, watching that. was uh, Ahsoka wrapped up last week. I know some people weren't too mm-hmm. hot in the finale. And there was definitely some quibbles, but, man, I, I, the show was so Star Wars. <laughs> as uh, like as much as I wanted out of like a TV show from Star Wars, just the perfect right. the Jedi. Yeah, I got I to gotta put that one stuff. down. It is so easy to watch compared to some of the other ones, man. It just feeds you what you, what you want. <laughs> Comfort food. Yeah, I also on the Disney Plus. I watched the first episode of Loki. I haven't gotten to it yet. It's fine. I mean, it seems like that that show is trying to be like purposefully heady and, mm-hmm. and multiverse. And I'm I'm I, I got the, I still got. I mean, uh, I rightfully have the Jonathan Majors ick. Sure. And they have yet to fully figure out what they're doing there. Yeah. I, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just kind of out on all the Marvel stuff. Like it used to be like, okay, yeah, I'll show up, see it, do my duty, like. The Mar- Captain Marvel's out in a month. I could care less. Like they've just lost the thread. You know, the, the movies just don't hit the same. Not to say they're incapable. Mm-hmm. Well, of making Loki was ones. the one that felt like creative enough, and like, hey, we're doing something kind of cool. But then watching this premiere, I was like, oh yeah, like they really do like style here. <laughs> yeah, no, they're too caught up in their huge multiverse. But, but it's got Ki Ki Hoi Kwang in it. Okay. So. So he's that's the reason to tune in. Yeah. Yeah, they should do a multiverse of Downton in Gilded Age. When's that gonna happen? That that's where I'm at. I want to see multiverses in, in places that you won't expect it. <laughs> hey, sign us up. Yeah. All right. Well, we can wrap it this week. You know where to find us, Facebook, mm-hmm. Instagram, Twitter, X and uh everywhere, wherever you get your uh, your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, leave us five-star rating or review if you so choose. You can subscribe to us on our Patreon. I forgot to write my fan fiction. I was going to do that this weekend. I need to set, send myself a reminder on that. Uh, it takes time. I got about a third of mine left to wrap up, and it's like you think you want to do it, and then life gets in the way. Yeah, life is busy. You but, realize why we don't creatively write for fun anymore, because we have life. Well, yeah, maybe we got to do like a Nano Remo of it, uh, National uh, November Writing Month, <laughs> uh, and just take to it. But um, yeah, there's that, and 
I think that's it. You, you, you can find us next week here on the pod. We'll catch you then.